WLVR and PBS 39 are pleased to present a special event at the Philadelphia Flower Show on Wednesday, June 9th. Join me, Mike McGrath, host of You Bet Your Garden, and flower show designer Sam Lemhenny for a behind-the-scenes tour, followed by refreshments and talks by Sam and I. Tickets are limited. Visit wlvr.org flower show today. This event is made possible by Lehigh Valley Home and Garden Center. From the wilting studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA, it's time for another verticillious episode of chemical-free horticultural hijinks. You bet your garden. I'm your host, Mike McGrath. Can the soil-borne wilt that's one of the biggest threats to our tomatoes also take down a tree? On today's show, we'll discuss how to handle that wilt, whether it's attacking your maples or your mortgage lifters. Plus, up-to-the-minute inside information about the Philadelphia Flower Show. And your fabulous phone call questions, comments, tips, tricks, suggestions, and languidly laborious lamentations. So keep your eyes and or ears right here, true believers, because we're going to help ease your worry about Wilkes and help you attend the greatest show on earth right after this. Support for You Bet Your Garden comes from Coast of Maine, creating organically approved gardening soils and plant foods for over 25 years. Part of Coast of Maine's mission is to be the most trusted partner to professionals and homeowners who believe that authentic, natural, and organic garden and lawn products play a critical role in the health of our communities and the living planet we share. Learn more at coastofmaine.com. Welcome to an especially thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. As always, I am your host, Mike McGrath, and we have an amazing show for you today, cats and kittens. We are going to have part two of our original flower show interview that aired for you guys last week, plus Updates. We're talking to Sam Lemhenny, the designer of the show, this afternoon, which is just a few days away from the opening. And we have a new question of the week about maple tree wilt. Did you know that such a thing happened? I didn't. But I guess I'm still learning. All right, and now it's time for a very special feature, an up-to-the-minute report on the preparations for the fabulous Philadelphia Flower Show, which for the first time is going to be held outdoors at FDR Park in South Philadelphia, which is just across Patterson Avenue from the sports complexes. Actually, it's almost right next door uh, to the Eagles Stadium. We have Sam Lemhenny, who in the past was called the show's designer. Now, Sam, I understand you have a, a new Weasley title. <laughs> yeah, Chief of Shows and Events, Mike. That's my new title, whatever that means. That's, yeah, that's, that's what I am now. That's like the head chairman of the Department of Redundancy Department. Yeah, maybe. maybe. Okay, so <laughs> this is our first year outdoors. This is very exciting. And right now, I imagine um, it, it is now um, May or uh, late May, 
and I imagine you've got stuff going up in the park already. Oh yeah, yeah. We we're uh, we're in full swing of setup mode right now. A lot of a lot of the tents, big tents are up. Small tents are still going up. A lot of the exhibitors have hit the hit the site this mm-hmm. week, and uh, we are excited about seeing some of the gardens. And we we have some plants here, um, Mike. So it looks like a flower show finally. We're all <laughs> dealing with the first couple. First couple of times, you know, with days was all more fence and tents and restrooms, and now we've got some plants on the site, so now it looks like a flower show. So we're excited. We can't wait for everybody to come down to FDR Park and see it. It's going to be amazing. Now, uh, you have had to kind of maneuver your way through COVID, and even way back in January and February, try to figure out what the restrictions would be at this time of year. So when you had to plan for the flower show, not just exhibits, but like, you know, how many tickets could you sell and everything like that, uh, we were in the thick of COVID. Um, how has that affected the show between your planning and the reality of now? Because you planned for the worst and we're going into the best, it seems. Yeah, Mike, this has been like hitting a, a moving target. It's been it's been a tough tough time to sort of figure out what the restrictions are going to be because they've been continuously lifting. But, hey, we're excited and happy to, to know that if you're vaccinated um, and, and you want to come to the flower show, you don't have to wear a mask. So we're very excited about that. And everybody can eat and drink and walk around and have a nice cocktail and enjoy the whole flower show without a mask if you're vaccinated. Now, when you were originally planning this, you and the rest of PHS, the Pennsylvania Horticultural Society, you planned essentially a limited admission. Um, you're probably going on a 25 or 50 percent guess. Um, now that the restrictions are lifted, are you going to make more tickets available? So there are now, you know, there are more tickets available. None of the days um, so far had, had sold out. Uh, but now that the restrictions are lifted, then there will be will be additional tickets. They're all for sale. You go to our website, phsonline.org, and you know, we're, we're looking forward to seeing everybody at the show. So we got plenty, plenty of room for everybody. We, so, we had a bigger site here, Mike, right? We have, we have to spread everybody out. It's working out now that if you take the subway or you drive, you'll be parked or coming up right at Patterson Avenue. And you'll go Correct. to across the street and there'll be tram cars that will then transport you to the other side of the park. And you'll go in, you'll enter at, at the lake. Yeah, you're close, close to the lakes. There's plenty of parking down here. And if you take public transportation, you can walk right into the parking lot. And the shuttle stop is right near there as well, too. So we have shuttles that will take you right up to the main gate. Um, it, I encourage people to walk them. Like it's, it's such, we've done su- such a great job of adding flowers and doing some great work and some design work that, that leads you to the, to the main gate. But I think it's, it's going to be a fun if the weather's cooperating and you can walk. I would. I would highly recommend walking. It's just going to be a really great, leisurely, fun. You know, it's springtime and the weather should be great. So, um, I suggest walking. But if you can't, certainly that's why we have the shuttles there to bring you to the main gate. And I will remind everybody who, like myself, is a member of the Pennsylvania Horticultural Society, that we have access to discount tickets as part of our membership. Yeah, actually, part of your membership should get you free, and you get a free hour before the flower show opens to the public. So every day on from Sunday to Sunday, 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. is members preview. Oh, that's so you can great. actually come in an hour before everybody else gets in. Yeah, absolutely. It's like so Disney if you're a World. Of PHS, it's, it's a lot of good bonus. Yeah, exactly. 
we get a little early admission um, okay. for those, those folks who support PHS and who are members. So that's a really great deal. And you start at the lake and the boathouse or whatever, and then you get to the sure. very end of the show. How, how many miles or whatever is that? Oh, God. We're, we're, the total footprint site, Mike, is 15 acres. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a big site. We have large walkways so people, you know, you feel comfortable and you want to space out and spread out. You can do that. Um, and, and it's just, uh, it's, it's a, it's a large site. It's, it's almost twice as big as the, the site we had at the convention center. Um, you're also incorporating all the greenery in this historic park as well. So, you know, sure. Absolutely. And I don't think a lot of Philadelphians, yeah, the big trees and, the, and I don't think many Philadelphians take advantage of that park. You know what? It's, it's, I can tell you, Mike, but being down here and spending time here, the people in South Philadelphia use this park a lot. They love this park down here. So I think it's going to be a great way for a lot of people who might not know this park, who maybe have come down to a Phillies game or a Sixers game and, and or a concert at, at the sports complex. You know, this is a treasure down here that most people <laughs> most people don't know in Philadelphia, unless you live in South Philadelphia. But uh, this is a really, really well-used park. Um, people love it down here, and uh, it's pick people picnicking on the weekends and exercising and baseball games and tennis game courts. And it's a very active park down here, but I think most people in Philadelphia probably don't know that it even exists. And it's a gorgeous park. The yeah. trees, the, the walking around, it really is a special, special place. I played ball there. I played hardball there many times. And, <laughs> um, you know, but people in South Philly know everything. So that's no, that's no surprise. This flower show is the first time ever outdoors. It's, the, the designers, what they've got cooking and what they've got designed are something really special. The experience is second, you know, once-in-a-lifetime experience here to walk around outdoors in in this beautiful park, in this beautiful setting, um, and really take in the flower show. We'll have every wow factor that we always have at the convention center. We'll always so be here. Um, food and beverage is amazing, and, and was such a great Spectre has come up with a great lineup of menus and drink options for folks. So this is time, man. We're, we all get a chance to get outside now. The restrictions are lifted. Um, what better chance, time to, to get outside for the first time and, and really enjoy something special at the Philadelphia Flower Show. And phsonline.org is our website, and uh, that's where you can buy all tickets and find out all the information you need down here. We have all the ticket ticketing information there, all the details about the show, how to get here, the parking details. Um, it's all on there for you. So, um, Go to the website, buy your tickets, and, and come on and join us this once-in-a-lifetime experience. And I'll throw out that I believe we still have a couple of openings left uh, for our special event with you on the Wednesday of the Flower oh, cool. Show. Oh, great. Where you will, you will join me, and we'll do our dog and pony show. And um, I want to remind everybody who's thinking about going to the Philadelphia Flower Show that when you go to the flower show, you support PHS, who are responsible for so many greening projects around the city. They improve the gateways to things like the airport. They throw flowers around like nickels in places that need them. Um, they have control or support of, what, 500 community gardens around the city? and. The important thing I want to get across is if you go to the flower show, you're supporting all of this. I don't think it's any exaggeration to say that the flower show, if you support it, you're going to see 
their effects on the city every day for a full year. It is an amazing organization, and it is totally deserving of your support. Not you, Sam. I know you support it. It's your job. I'm, talk <laughs> I'm talking to the people out there. All right. I know we've kept you longer than we were allowed to, but guess what? I'm a bad boy. So thanks for being no with worries, us. No worries, Mike. Anytime for you. I will see you soon before our, uh, our walkthrough because I want to see what everything looks like. But I'm looking forward to the Wednesday of the show and just the show itself. I may, I may bring a tent and set it up somewhere in the grounds. <laughs> All right, Sam. Thank you so much. Sam Lemhenny, ladies and gentlemen, and um, I can't wait. Thanks, Mike. We look forward to seeing everybody at the show. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Sam. All right. And now, back to your fabulous phone calls at 888-492-9444. Ron, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Well, thank you. Nice to be on with you. Well, thank you, Ron. How are you doing? Doing fine, thank you. And where is Ron doing fine? I live in Wilmington, Delaware. Okay, very good. What can we do you for, sir? Well, I've been having problems with my uh, strawberry patch. Uh, mm -hmm. I seem to have uh, bugs of some kind. As soon as the berries start to ripen, why something starts eating at them. Uh, mm -hmm. They don't seem to bother them until they start to ripen. Um, and I did, uh, at, a, at a suggestion, I did uh, put out some uh, trays, or not trays, but uh, for uh, with beer, mm -hmm. but uh, thinking that maybe they were slugs, but uh, they didn't uh, uh, seem to take to any of the uh, the uh, trays that I had put out. Okay, uh, well, that's... I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't catch any slugs. Right, well, that's a good process of elimination. Uh, what's the possibility that mice are able to access the strawberries? Uh, they could access it, but I don't think so because we have a outdoor cat, and she is pretty uh, good about things like that, of uh, uh, keeping up with uh, the fields around us. Okay, great. Uh, describe the damage to me. Well, it would be like they would eat uh, or peck at uh, the end of the berry. Sometimes they would, uh, up as much as the half of the the berry itself would be eaten away when I would uh, check uh, the crop in the morning. Mm -hmm. um, the other concern I have is that the berries often, uh, at this time anyway, seem to fall on because of the weight of the berry uh, on the vine uh, or on the uh, the plant uh, plant uh, tend to uh, dip down into this onto the soil and mm -hmm. sometimes uh, they I think bugs get get this, the the uh, strawberry at that point too. It makes access much easier. Are you growing them in a container, flat ground, or a raised bed? Uh, flat ground. Okay. Uh, I think you're working against yourself there. Uh, protecting ripe strawberries can be very difficult compared to the other fruits. You know, raspberries grow at the top of canes. Mm -hmm. uh, right. Blueberries grow at the top of the plant. But the, uh, the strawberries are just laying there. I mean, you might as well have a sign, eat at Joe's. Um, 
<laughs> and these are June berries, I'm presuming, or are they ever bearing? Yes. June berries. June berries. Okay. So um, what I'm going to suggest, if you can still find plants, I would get a nice container. You know, they do the the reason you see strawberry pots in um, garden centers is because it it really keeps the fruit clean and keeps uh, pests off of them. No matter what the pest is, they they have to go to work to get to them. So I would say get a nice big container and see if you can find some um, ever-bearing plants that are still around. Okay. And then you, you okay. should get um, strawberries this year. But I think you gotta stop growing them on the ground, especially if it's flat ground. Um, you can try fencing around it, uh, but that could be voles as well. I know you got a cat, but um, and if the damage is being done overnight, I'm shocked that it isn't slugs, but, um, but I believe you. But I, I think the answer is to, it's just a plant that doesn't do well growing on the ground because it's too attractive. Okay. So grow in a strawberry pot and other type of container, and I, I think you'll be able to eat your strawberries for a change. Well, yeah, I don't mind sharing uh, sharing them. But when oh, they I get do. The majority of them, I get a little concerned. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't share well. You know, I don't, I don't work and play well with other children, and I don't share. <laughs> All right, man. Okay, ma'am. I appreciate it. Well, it's time for me to take a little break and remind one and all that the fabulous Philadelphia Flower Show's first ever time outdoors is just around the corner, specifically June 5th through the 13th. But don't go planning your trip to historic FDR Park in South Philly at theflowershow.com just yet, because we'll be right back to play Whack the Wilt and take more of your fabulous phone call. I'm Mike McGrath, and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. Welcome back to another thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. I am your host, Mike McGrath, and even though this is a very special Philadelphia Flower Show interview, we've got lots of calls coming in, and the question of the week, maple tree wilt. No, not maple trees. I want the syrup. So stay tuned. You may recall um, that we had a wonderful interview with Sam Lemhenny who is the chief designer and bottle washer for the Philadelphia Flower Show. Well, we kept Sam on the Zoom call for much longer than I'm supposed to, um, and every word was wonderful. So we are going to rejoin that conversation now and finish it up. Uh, but for now, let's go back to our interview with Sam Lemhenny from the Pennsylvania Horticultural Society, also known as PHS, and news about the upcoming Philadelphia Flower Show. FDR Park is such a great location, not only for the 
beautiful aspects that I talked about in the architecture and the landscape, but it is right in the heart of a huge amount of parking that's down in that area of South Philadelphia. The subway is right there. All the things that you named for Lincoln Financial Field are all right there, is, is especially right there for, for the FDR Park. And we couldn't be more excited to um, greet people and get them down there. And it's that area is used to having a large, large amount of people and large amount of traffic. So it should be a great location and a really great experience for everybody. Yeah, theoretically, uh, the Phillies might be playing at yes. that time, but we also don't know how many fans would be allowed. And they're certainly not going to be using the football stadium. Not, not at that time of year. No, absolutely. There, there's definitely a, a few baseball games that are scheduled during that frame. And we're working with those teams and, and they've been amazing partners to work with us um, and welcome us down into that part of the uh, of Philadelphia. So um, we'll have a lot of fun things to talk about as with regards to parking and promotions as it gets closer to the show. And, you know, I am a wealth of useless information. So <laughs> I will tell you that during the 1930s and 1940s, the Phillies were experimenting with new names. The team was so awful. They were, I guess they were trying to deceive, they were called the Blue Jays, believe it or not, at one really? point. Yes, yeah. Um, to get like a game jacket or something from that era is, is really cool. Um, but one of the longest nicknames um, that replaced the Phillies during this time was Doolin's Daisies. Um, the manager was a guy named Doolin. He was very right. well-known and very well-liked. I don't know where the daisies came from, but there's a hook for you, Sam. Uh, okay, we, we, can have, we can try and have daisies at the flower show. I don't see why that couldn't be a problem. Doolin's daisies. You Doolin's know. daisies. Okay, yeah. here we go. You might have to make one. Um, at the end of that flower show, I would have my exhibit already planned for the following right. year, so I would know what materials we needed to build the structures, what plants we needed. How did your major exhibitors react? A regular civilian would think, oh my God, this is great. They've got, you know, X number of months extra. No, right. no, it wasn't planned for this. You know, <laughs> there's freezers, there's coolers, there's incredibly right. intense lights to move things forward and backward. I mean, what was the reaction? Yeah, well, what that was really the the main reason why we had to make this decision so early. And we literally made this decision back in May. Um, it certainly wasn't made public until just recently, but it was. we had a lot of things to work around behind the scenes, especially working with our exhibitors to make sure that they can continue to do this. So the plants are, the, are really sort of drive the timelines. And so when we're planning our normal show that happens in March, Mike, you know, we're, we're 18 months out yeah. looking at the events, right? We, we know what we're doing 18 months out. So to really pivot and make this decision, you know, 10 months, 11 months out from the show, um, was really a big deal. And uh, we had to have a lot of conversations and a lot of discussions with our exhibitors, with the volunteers, um, not only the major exhibitors, but some of our, all of our competitive class exhibitors as well, mm -hmm. which was hundreds of them as well. It's, it's, uh, it, was a, they... it was a big shift. And, and it was really something that I, I was, you know, a lot of people say that this flower show is about the flowers and the plants and the gardens, which it is a big part of the content, but really this flower show is about the people and the, the reactions that we got were, were just so amazing of, hey, we're here, we're part of the Flower Show family, and we're going to do what we need to do to make sure that this show continues to happen, and we put on a great show and a great experience for the visitors that come every single year and for those new visitors that haven't even come yet. Um, and so that was, the reaction was, 
you know, while you have a few things that, you know, might've popped up that said, you know what, I might not be able to do it this year, but we'll keep, keep working at it. Um, most people said, you know what, we're involved and we, we want to stay involved and we want this show to be a success. We've been involved since we were, like you said, Mike, eight, some of these, our volunteers have been around 40, 50 years. And so they don't want to see it go away. They didn't want to see us cancel it. They wanted to say, we're going to jump on board and we're going to help you create the best experience we can and make sure that the visitors have a great show. But you guys jumped on it and made a firm decision right, right away. And I find something comforting about that. You know, I, I give a lot of credit to our board. They gave us the opportunity to actually look into the different ideas and really understand if we could actually pull this show off in June. Mm -hmm. um, all credit to our board. Um, they are an amazing group of individuals that trust us as staff um, and, and all the people that in, are involved in this flower show. And uh, On top of that, Sam, we're the flower show. We can do right. anything. <laughs> We have an amazing team that I that works with me um, on producing this show from a creative standpoint, from an operations standpoint, from an event standpoint, volunteer standpoint, that uh, I would put that team up against any any event and any event team around the world that this is a this is a top notch world class um, operation and very excited and I'm very lucky to work with the people that I get a chance to work with. I've been around here for 17, almost 18 years, Mike, and um, it, it's just it's just fun to see uh, the people, how they put this show together from a staff standpoint, and then really the support the volunteers give this show. And, you know, I have to say the visitors too, come on, you got to get on the support train because we're, we're going to have this show and we love to have you here. And, and when the tickets go on sale, we really need you to, to step in and, and buy these tickets just like you would any other flower show because it's going to be pretty special. I, I think uh, I'm hoping for a lot of community support. So two things yeah. I want to mention before I let you go. Um, okay. This idea is not new. Um, Chelsea, which has been going, what, 8,000 right. years they no, they're only about just over a hundred. They're younger than us, believe it or not. Oh, just babies, little babies. We're, yeah, they're they're babies. We're almost two hundred years old. They're just over a hundred. They're not, you know. Come on. Uh, but they've but been around a long time. That's always been an outdoor show in early June. Uh, May, uh, middle May, middle May time frame. But they have a, they have their big Hampton Court show, which is their second biggest show. Um, that happens in July. So yeah, they they do two. They do a lot of outdoor shows. Most of their shows are outdoors. And am I correct that you you were always traveling to see other flower right. shows around the world? And uh, yeah, I've been lucky to see Singapore Flower Show, which is an amazing flower show. That over was there. the one I was going to bring up because that's an outdoor yep. show. Yep. And you said there was a lot to envy there. Yeah, they have. I mean, obviously, Singapore is an amazing country. I've been lucky enough to get over there a couple of times. They've asked me to come over and judge their show um, twice now. And it's just it's just an amazing experience. And they're in the heart of Gardens by the Bay. So they, they actually are in a park or in a garden setting. And just like we did, we, we've had numerous conversations with that team to sort of talk and pick their brain as to how they how they create their show, because they actually did move from inside their first two shows were indoors, and then they moved it to the outdoor location when the Gardens by the Bay opened up. Mm -hmm. So we, we we were talking to them about some of the challenges that that came about with that. Um, so that was good, and we also have a lot of great. Um, we belong to the International Festivals and Events Association, so I have a number of friends who are doing outdoor events all over the country that we've been picking their brain as well too. So we have a lot of great expert help that's going to help us make sure we don't miss anything, make sure that this experience is great, and that the. Um, flower show goes off without a hitch now the last thing because you know you and i could go on for days here um 
let's talk about accessibility because obviously one of the big um, draws for this location is it's the last stop on the Broad Street subway. Yep. Um, depending on what part of the park you will start in, it could be a shorter walk to the flower show from the subway than to Citizens Bank Park. Correct. Yep. Yeah. So this is a, an important, it's an important piece of, of making sure that the, the visitor has a great experience, not only in the show, but getting to the show. And that's one of our top priorities is making sure that that happens. Um, we are working with uh, SEPTA to make sure that the Broad Street line is, is running and, and running to, to the capacities that we might see coming into the show because we know a lot of people mm -hmm. like to take the train to the show. Um, we are working with the different teams in the different areas of PIDC, Navy Yard for parking down there so that there's ample amounts of parking. Um, and we don't have it you know, nailed down yet, but we are looking at doing trains or, or, or trams. Um, or, or outdoor, you know, uh, open air trolleys so that people can go from the parking lot to the right front, right to the front door of the, of the show because accessibility is really great. And then once you're in the show, we're making sure that that show is as, as accessible as it can um, and making sure that everybody can enjoy the, the, the flower show um, uh, at, the, at the, you know, the experience that everybody should have. So that's, we're, we're, we're excited about that. We're looking forward to that. And uh, it's something that the park will uh, lends itself to the folks at Parks and Rec, who are an amazing partners with us that we're, we've been enjoying working with. And they're excited about us being down there. Um, we'll hopefully be making a lot of improvements to the park when we're down there. And so that's something that the neighborhoods can get excited about, that the Flower Show will leave behind some, some great legacy and improvements that, uh, that they'll be able to enjoy all year round, too. Um, just, like, just like Floriade in Holland, yeah. <laughs> right? Somewhere. I don't know, not, not necessarily on that scale, but yes, we will definitely be working with the, with Parks and Recs to see what kind Go of on, legacy- get those bulbs in the ground. We can leave. What's, yep. what's still blooming in June? Or ornamental alliums, right? Uh, of course, yeah, uh, you're definitely gonna have alliums there, absolutely. So um, have you decided, you know, because Roosevelt Park essentially starts on the other side of Broad Street, as you go right. up or down Patterson, depending on you know how you look at that, um, is that where the main entrance is going to be? It'll be very close to that. Their their main entrance right off of Broad. Actually, most of their entrance they have two big entrances. Their main entrance is right off Patterson, um, and the show will be close. The show entrance will be very close to that entrance. It's a little bit further into the park, but not that far so that you can start your experience and working. But the show is on the Patterson side of FDR Park. Of course. So it is yeah. the closest to the parking that we can get it um, and closest access for everybody to to enjoy. Well, I mean, that was, you know, let's be honest, that was a problem um, with probably not, not even just the convention center, but uh, with uh, the civic center before that. Um, right. It was easy to get close. It was not easy then to travel those last couple of blocks. Right. And that's yeah, not- Yeah, we're, do, we're doing our best to make sure that that's an easy and smooth experience. Again, like we said, we're working with SEPTA. The subway line goes right there. So we know a lot of people like to take the train. Um, we are gonna make sure that there's, um, you know, it, it's it's in the heart of a lot of different neighborhoods in South Philadelphia. So biking biking to the show is, is mm -hmm. gonna be an option in June, right? So this is a, Absolutely. You know, an easier yeah. option to get to the show. So we're working with- with uh, folks to make sure we have enough parking for bikes as well as drop off locations for the buses. And so we have a lot of different ways that we can get there. And of course, if you decide to drive, 95 goes right near there and yep. you get off right at the Broad Street exit 
and uh, can come right in and, and use the parking lots that are all around there as well. So it's uh, the trying idea, to make it as easy as possible. The idea of the parking and the access to public transportation is unparalleled. Obviously, there was right. really no other choice if you're thinking of convenience. Right. And um, in physical reality, people are going to get into the show an hour earlier than they used to because, uh, you know, we're talking about a place that's been handling um, 50, 70,000 cars at a right. pop for decades. Right. Yeah. And our, our, our show starts um, at 10 a.m. like it normally does and will run till 7 p.m. Um, if you're a member of the Horticultural Society, you actually will get to come in at nine o'clock. So you will get that extra hour um, to spend in the show before it gets too crazy in there. But we will be, um, we are selling tickets. Um, you will have to know by the day when when to buy your tickets, so which day you would plan to come. And then we're also going to be selling a.m. or p.m. on that day. So you okay. want to come in the a.m. or in the morning, or if you want to come in the afternoon for those tickets. And that's all about trying to keep everybody safe, right. really controlling the attendance and the amount of people that are coming through there um, and making sure that we have the, the right amount of folks and so that everybody can socially distance and be as safe as they possibly can and still really enjoy the show. We, you know, this flower show is really something, Mike, you and I have talked about this before. It's, it's a show and we want people to, you know, forget about the outside world and really sort of be engulfed and immersed into the experience of the show. And we want to make sure that they feel as safe as they can so they can still have that experience and be immersed in this flower show. One last thing uh, that occurred to me. Um, what is this year's show theme? Because you know oh. what I laughingly call my memory. And <laughs> did it have to be adjusted? Because I know the themes you you know are picked out years in advance. Correct. Believe it or not, the theme for this year's flower show and the theme that the flower show was has been working on for at least three years now is called Habitat. Okay. And so we did not have to change the theme because we felt that the outdoor location actually lend itself to a perfect interpretation of the of the Habitat theme. And this is, we're excited about this theme. It really goes down from, you know, it, it, as the animals and and the and the plants that they use as their as their uh, habitats and 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 incorporated into that to the. To, the, to you, even every day where you have your outdoor living spaces and that's your, we call your habitat. Um, so it goes all the way from, from big to small and, and, and all over the world habitats um, and plants are used for habitats. So we're, we're excited about that. And, and really it connects to the Pennsylvania Horticultural Society too as of how plants can incorporate it and can impact your, your habitat and your environment. Um, and, and really improving that and making it healthier and making it more sustainable. And um, we're going to include all of that messaging as well, too. So we're excited about this theme and we did not have to change it. We were lucky and it fit really perfectly with this outdoor location. And I'm presuming you and I will do something special in the central exhibit during the show. Absolutely. We'll give a tour just like we always do. You and your, your, your folks um, who sign up during your uh, fundraisers and your your membership drives, we will definitely have uh, a tour with you and I walking around and entertaining the folks. We the, the, the Mike and Sam show is always pretty entertaining. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. All right, Sam. Um, I've kept you far too long, but you know this show is not only important to me; it's important to the city. It's important to all of horticultural. The late Bob Rodale said that you cannot have a truly thriving business unless it meets adversity head on at some point and changes organically into a better organization, into a better operation. He called it regeneration. He said embrace chaos and em embrace problems because right. 
your solution is going to keep you alive and adapting and changing with the times. Mike, thank you so much for your support. It's my great pleasure. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. Welcome back to an especially thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden. I'm your host, Mike McGrath, and we're in the stretch now, cats and kittens. In just a little bit, we'll feature the question of the week about something I had no idea. Who knew that verticillium wilt that's out there killing your tomatoes could affect maple trees as well? It's a very important question of the week coming up after a couple more of your fabulous phone calls at 888-492-9444. Roger, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Hi, Mike. How are you? I am just ducky. Thanks for asking, Roger. Ducky's getting a lot of attention these days, um, I, th I think he got a better contract than I did. All right, where is Roger? Hey, I'm, uh, I'm in uh, Bordentown, New Jersey. Okay, the Garden State. And what can we do for you, sir? I, I've, I've been struggling uh, the last few years with uh, I have creeping juniper where there's been kind of a, a viney weed. Um, I, I did a little bit of research and it, it, it appears to be something called ground ivy. And oh, no okay. No matter how much I, I pull it out, it, yep. Uh, so ground ivy. Yeah, no matter how much I pull it out, it just keeps coming out. Uh, ground ivy. Um, it doesn't look like ivy, right? It's creeping, Charlie. It's flowering. It. It. Yeah. It could. Yes. Yeah. yeah little, okay. little purple flowers. It. Ha yes, and they're beautiful. They were actually. Um, this plant was used as a ground cover. Um, and then escaped into the um, non-wild. So. Uh, Creeping Charlie, ground ivy, gill over the ground. This plant has a number of different names. Now, um, how you know how how much space do your uh, low-growing junipers take up? It, it, it's probably like a, a five by ten foot area. Okay. Now, have you tried soaking the soil? Just saturate it and then slowly pulling the Creeping Charlie out. I, I, I've, I've tried a couple of different things like that, and, and uh, along with that, what I, what I decided this year was to let it grow a little bit more so that the plants were a little bit sturdier, and right. I, I did, like, like you just said, mm -hmm. after watering, it got a little bit more success with getting some of the roots up. Oh, yeah. No, not just watering. I mean soak that area. The wetter the soil the more you can slowly pull where the vine enters the ground and get all of it. And it doesn't sound like that big a, um, an area. And if you get it under control early in the season, it won't set seed. You know, this, okay. the, I love the flowers. I, I let it grow in an area outside my garden area. Um, 
with a lot of yeah, other... Yeah, actually, right next door, my neighbor my neighbor does that right next door. He's got a, a plot of it. That, like you said, it looks it looks very nice. It is. And do you, you know, know, did, just, have you it, noticed it, that it smells like sage when you touch it and pull on it? I, I, I've noticed an odor. I hadn't identified it. But, yeah, it, it, it's, it's pleasant, for sure. Yeah, oh, it's very pleasant. Um, I don't really consider it a, a weed. It... It, is it interfering with the juniper, or is it you just want the juniper to be there, period? Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, the, the juniper is, is kind of the highlight of that area, and okay. it, it grows it grows so dense, and it grows above the juniper that you, you actually don't see the juniper. Okay. If, if you it left untouched, it, it just completely overwhelms it. Okay, so uh, I want you uh, to get out there um, and saturate the area. Uh, find where the vine is coming out of the ground, and gingerly get it out. Um, if the plants have already set seed, you're probably going to have to do this again. If you get it while it's still just flowering, um, you may be done. Um, if you think it's setting seed, you may want to get a flame weeder and flame uh, the flowers so that you uh, destroy the seeds. And there is also oh, okay. there's also a tool you can use. It's called the water-powered weeder. And as far as I know, it is only available uh, from one source, which is Lee Valley Tools. But it's great. You attach it to your hose. It's a very long stick-like thing. And it has a trigger. And you, you find where the, um, where the uh, weed is entering the ground. You stick the point of this thing down, pull the trigger, and a laser-like beam of water goes and honestly just clears the area around the root system. And then it's your game to lose. The, you know, after they've gone through that and the soaking, they should be very easy to remove. Okay. All right? Yeah, I, I like that, that tool. I've never heard of it, but it, 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 sounds, it sounds very logical. Yeah, I don't know. I, I have never seen anybody else selling it. Uh, Lee Valley Tools, even though they've never given my show a dime, is uh, a very high-quality <laughs> company. And this tool is just amazing. Um, yes, you're going to love it. Okay. All right, sir? Sounds good. All right, thank you very much. Okay, Mike, thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. WLVR and PBS 39 are pleased to present a special event at the Philadelphia Flower Show on Wednesday, June 9th. Join me, Mike McGrath, host of You Bet Your Garden, and flower show designer Sam Lemhenny for a behind-the-scenes tour, followed by refreshments and talks by Sam and I. Tickets are limited. Visit wlvr.org flower show today. This event is made possible by Lehigh Valley Home and Garden Center. All right, as promised, it is time for the question of the week, which I'm going to call Let's Play Whack the Wilt. Martin in Denison, Iowa writes, I'm wondering about maple wilt. My neighbor has a large maple tree and the leaves started wilting after it leafed out this spring. Is this tree dying? And will the problem spread to the maple trees in my yard? Well, I had never heard of, quote, maple tree wilt before. At least I don't think that I have. Ducky, Ducky, where are my car keys? And so into the research swamp I went. 
although the common name threw me, it turns out that what we're talking about is a soil-borne disease that tomato growers know all too well, verticillium. I already knew, of course, that tomato plants grown in the same spot for three years or more would support this disease organism that has a bizarre kind of non-symbiotic relationship with the roots of certain plants. But trees? <laughs> Who knew? Anyway, to recap, if you grow a tomato plant in what seems to be an ideal spot and get a great harvest the second year, why would you not plant in that spot again? The answer, obvious only to those of us with x-ray vision, is that a soil-borne wilt called verticillium in the north, and you can't get much more north than Iowa, and its nasty cousin, fusarium, in the south, have been attracted to the roots of that plant. But the numbers aren't great enough to cause any problems. You know, you may notice some yellowing of the bottom leaves, but not enough to cause concern. Underground, however, is another story. In this second year, the wilt organisms are thriving, multiplying at a great rate, but you'll still get your tomatoes. However, by year three, the yellowing will develop sooner and move faster up the plant. This is your final warning. If you plant in that spot in year four, your beefsteaks will be dead by July. Luckily, the solution is easy plant in another spot at least two feet away the following year. Then let the original location be tomato-free for two or three years, and the wilt will essentially kind of starve to death. But we're talking trees here, which are much harder to rotate in the garden. And they say, I don't know what I'm talking about. So let us turn to a very informative bulletin from Michigan State University for some answers. And I quote, Symptoms of verticillium wilt can be confusing because they are so variable. They include marginal scorch and complete wilting of leaves on individual branches in the crowns of their host plants. Symptoms can occur at any time of the year, but often show up when hot, dry weather begins. Sometimes a single branch or the foliage on one side of a tree will die. Trees can go through years where no symptoms are present, and then the symptoms show up again several years later. Some trees can struggle along for years, while others may die soon after the first symptoms appear. In addition to wilting, other symptoms may include small leaves, stunted growth, sparse foliage, and abnormally large seed drops." End quote. I will add personally that these symptoms also appear on plants with no verticillium problem. The causes are legion. They include exposure to winter road salt, girdling, as when mulch is mounted up against the trunk of the tree, overwatering, underwatering, and many more than we can mention. If it's your tree showing these kinds of symptoms, Michigan suggests you send a sample to the Plant Disease Diagnostic Lab at Cornell, which I heartily endorse. Details on how to take that sample are in the Michigan State article that we'll link up to at the written version of this article, which is almost 100% cribbed from the MSU Bulletin. Guys, please, I'm a poor radio show host. Don't sue me. 
They are suggestions if these symptoms appear and are caused by verticillium. Quote, water during dry periods, especially if they occur in summer or fall. Fertilize if needed with a low nitrogen, high potassium fertilizer as excessive fertilization increases problems with this disease, end quote. That means no 10, 10, 10, 20, 20, 20, or miracle grow campers. If fertilized, you must use an organic product. And here's this fascinating note. Quote, colleagues at the University of Wisconsin have looked at potential hazards associated with use of wood chip mulch from trees that are infected with verticillium. They discovered that the pathogen will survive in these chips for up to a year. In addition, they note, the type of maple tree you are growing is important. Norway maples are easily infected. Other maples, not so much. So what does this mean to our worried maple owner up in Iowa? Well, verticillium wilt is first attracted to vulnerable trees underwatered, overfed, growing in compacted soil, and especially mulched with wood chips, and especially Norway maples. Plus, this disease is, for lack of a better phrase, root-specific. The only way it could transfer from one tree to another is if their roots touch. It isn't airborne, and insects don't transmit it. So if your leaves look good, don't sweat it. But do water them during especially dry times. Don't do anything to compact their soil, like driving heavy equipment near them. Don't use chemical fertilizers near them. And for God's sake, avoid this horrifying trend of piling wood chips up against the trunks of your trees. Even if the chips aren't infected, they could and will eventually kill that tree. As I've said many times, have you ever seen a volcano mulched tree in a healthy forest? Those roots need to breathe and the trunk needs to be able to dry out. Please don't fall for the wood mulch scam. Well, that sure was a lot of ways to play whack the wilt, now wasn't it? Luckily for you, the question of the week appears in print at the Gardens Alive website. To read it over at your leisure or your leisure, just click the link for the question of the week at our website, which is still and will forever be youbetyourgarden.org. Gardens Alive supports the You Bet Your Garden question of the week, and you always find the latest question of the week at the Gardens Alive website. Yikes, my producer is threatening to wilt my watermelon if I don't get out of this studio. We must be out of time. But you can call us anytime at our brand new number, 888-492-9444, or send us your email, your tired, your poor, your wretched refuse teeming towards our garden shore at ybyg at wlvt.org. Tell us your location, and we don't mean which room in the house. 
You'll find all of this contact information at our website, YouBetYourGarden.org, where you'll also find the answers to hundreds, hundreds of your garden questions. Audio of this show, video of this show, audio and video of previous shows. Oi, what else do you want? Oh, our internationally renowned podcast is the answer. You Bet Your Garden is a half-hour public television show, an hour-long public radio show and podcast, all produced and delivered to you weekly by Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. Our radio show is distributed by PRX, the Public Radio Exchange. You Bet Your Garden was created by Mike McGrath. Mike McGrath was created by the magician Merlin in the court of King Arthur, but then banished to a cursed lagoon underwater until he was finally freed by underwater detective Mike Nelson. Ken Queter plays our theme music. Our chief content officer is Yoni Greenbaum. Our angel of the airways is Christine Dempsey. Our sound engineer is always cheerful Charlie Sarah. Our social media director is Amanda Norfleet. Check out all the amazing controversies at the You Bet Your Garden Facebook page. Yeah, we're every day, everywhere, cats and kittens. Tavia Minnick is our peerless princess of profound production. The always lovely Jonas Bowen is our audio editor. Judicious Jake Boyer does the video. Our directorial director of direction is the harassed and harried Javier Diaz. Andy Cummins still takes our temperature at the door. Wolfbane eating Zach the Tack Wisniewski is in the haunted house. Ably assisted by the usual gang of idiots, including Eric Werner, Jacob Morris, Jeff Frederick, Carlin Canfield, and many more too expensive to mention. Always late, never on time, yet still somewhat lovable, CEO Tim Fallon claims no responsibility for this show. I'm your host, Mike McGrath, and as my fellow NPR personality Ben Vaughn likes to say, that's it, we're out of time. We gotta go. We gotta get out of here. Hey, wait, I just realized he stole that from Mick Jagger and the animals. Oh well. I gotta get out of here too and head on down to check out the first ever outdoor Philadelphia Flower Show. Coming up next week in South Philly's historic Roosevelt Park. But I'll still find the time to see you again next week. Support for You Bet Your Garden comes from Coast of Maine creating organically approved gardening soils and plant foods for over 25 years. Part of Coast of Maine's mission is to be the most trusted partner to professionals and homeowners who believe that authentic, natural, and organic garden and lawn products play a critical role in the health of our communities and the living planet we share. Learn more at coastofmaine.com. Everybody's talking about groundhogs, and I hear everything they're saying. I'm Mike McGrath, and on the next You Bet Your Garden, we'll reveal brand new listener-supplied cautions about trapping groundhogs and raccoons, and an important cat poop warning, plus your fabulous phone calls. That's all on the next thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden. <laughs>